From the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 11, beginning with verse 1, we hear now the word of the Lord. After Jesus had finished instructing his twelve disciples, he went on from there to teach and preach in the towns of Galilee. When John, who was in prison, heard about the deeds of the Messiah, he sent his disciples to ask him, Are you the one who is to come, or should we expect someone else? Jesus replied, Go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. As John's disciples were leaving, Jesus began to speak to the crowd about John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed swayed by the wind? If not, what did you go out to see? A man dressed in fine clothes? No, those who wear fine clothes are in king's palaces. Then what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet, this is the one about whom it is written. I will send my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way before you. Truly, I tell you, among those born of women, there, was not, there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Yet whoever is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been subjected to violence, and violent people have been raiding it. For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John. And if you are willing to accept it, he is the Elijah who was to come. Whoever has ears, let them hear. To what can I compare this generation? They are like children sitting in the marketplaces and calling out to others. We played the pipe for you and you did not dance. We sang a dirge and you did not mourn. For John came neither eating nor drinking, and they say, he has a demon. And the Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they say, here is a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. But wisdom is proved right by her deeds. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now, you may not have thought about or thought much about including John the Baptist in your nativity sets this year or inviting him over for your Christmas holiday parties, but even so, he's a key person in this season of Advent because his message and ministry of repentance, turning away from sin and turning toward God, is a very important message for preparing for the coming of the Lord. John prepared the way, he made the announcements, he sent out the invitations, and even baptized Jesus himself in the Jordan River. He's an important prophet in a long line of prophets in the Bible who are looking forward to the Messiah coming. But even John the Baptist couldn't see all things clearly. His message of being blessed if you repent, condemned if you don't, wasn't really panning out the way that he anticipated it would. He's in prison now. He's facing execution. How could this be? If the Messiah is in the person of Jesus Christ, how could this be? Shouldn't all things be getting better immediately? Well, many people say that we live in a microwave society today. We want things now. We want things done fast. But I think that just might be part of human nature. 
especially if you're suffering, especially if you're being oppressed by a foreign government or you're laying in a hospital bed. You want to be free now. You want to be healed now. You want to be happy now. But we live in that tension, don't we? Uh, you, we, we live in the tension of knowing the Messiah has come. He's ushered in the kingdom. There is a level of hope and freedom and a healing that we do experience today. But we also know all too well that we still live in a broken and fallen world where the power of sin and temptation still lurks in our souls. Where evil people still get the upper hand sometimes where our bodies remind us that we're not going to be around forever. A newer believer might expect all of life to go smoothly once they trust in Jesus Christ, but the opposite happens. Someone leading in ministry might expect that because they teach well and they model the truth that the people would change their lives and that they would immediately um, be changed and transformed and live better lives, but that doesn't always happen. Like John the Baptist, our expectations undergo a refinement process, and we continue to live in that tension. That is, we continue to live in the era of the Messiah, in the year of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and yet we still look forward to a better day. We still look forward to Jesus coming again. So on this third Sunday of Advent, let's take a quick look at this exchange between Jesus and John the Baptist and the crowd and then wonder how God may be speaking to us this morning, okay? First, changing expectations, changing expectations. Jesus is in prison. He's in the prison of Herod Antipas because he was speaking truth to power. And even there in the jail cell, he longs for the Messiah to come. And he wonders, did I get it right? Did he see the vision clearly? If Jesus is the Messiah, why am I suffering so? Even in prison, he hears these stories from his own disciples about the miracles and the teaching and the preaching of Jesus around the region of Galilee. So he sends his disciples on this 100-mile journey by foot to ask Jesus one question. Verse 3, the question is this. Are you the one who is to come, or should we expect someone else? Are you the one who is to come, or should we expect someone else? Are you really it, Jesus, or is there another? The prophecy of Isaiah says something about prisoners being set free, but here I am in jail, John wonders. This doesn't seem right to John, as you could imagine. John's expectations of the Messiah do not match the message of his coming. The blessings for those who repent and, and condemnation and judgment for those who don't repent and turn to God. It wasn't just all happening like that. If, if Jesus is the Messiah, why not? And so Jesus replies, verse 4 and following, go tell John. Go, report back to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Go tell John about the evidence that you see and that you are hearing about. The age of the Messiah has come, it has arrived. And, and this is interesting, as Jesus quotes here from the prophet Isaiah, he's, he's taking a quote that refers to God, that refers to the expectations of what God will do. Jesus 
has come in the place of God to do the work of God. Therefore, simply using this quote from Isaiah, Jesus is revealing some of his divine identity here. He is God with us. He is God with us. These prophecies from Isaiah referring to what God does. A new age has been ushered in. You're not wrong, John. But, I think there's an invisible but there before verse 6. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. Why is that there? Why does he throw that in there? Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. He's encouraging John here, I think. Blessed or happy are those who are not repelled or fall away because their expectations have to change. Because they don't always get what they want. Because Jesus doesn't seem to meet the hopes and the expectations they've built up in their minds. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me, Jesus tells him. So John is a great prophet, but he doesn't see all of God's timing perfectly here. There's a time for healing. There's a time for patience for sinners, being patient with sinners. There's a time for preaching and teaching the good news of the gospel. And there's a time of judgment. It's just not all happening at the same time, John. Blessed is the person who does not reject Jesus because God didn't use a microwave. Or he disappoints us when he doesn't do things in our timing of things, when we expect judgment now on those sinners, right? Or salvation right now. So I think Jesus is encouraging John to keep the faith in his struggles while he's in jail. It's interesting that in this quote of Isaiah, in that passage of Isaiah 61, Jesus leaves out that part about the captives being set free. It talks about that in that same passage that Jesus is quoting, but he leaves it out. God seems to be saying no to John, being released from prison. And you know, sometimes it's that way with us too, right? Jesus has come, and we believe, and we trust. We dedicate our lives to him. Uh, we hope and we tell others, but at the same time, God has said no to our healing in this life. Instead, he's chosen to bring glory to himself through our suffering, through our struggle, through our illness. And then Advent takes on a different flavor, doesn't it? We learn to trust, we learn to love and to wait and to, to hope, but we also learn to let go of some expectations that we've built up in our own minds in order that God's will would be done. We learn the hard lesson that God, what God does for someone else, he doesn't always do for me. God, you healed so-and-so, why don't you heal me? God, you set so-and-so free from this thing and this temptation or issue. God, why don't you free me from it right now? And once again, we learn to let go, to let God. But even so, there is a promise of greater things in the second part of our reading today. A promise of greater things. In verse 7 of Matthew's Gospel, chapter 11, it says, As John's disciples were leaving, Jesus began to speak to the crowds about John and who John was. Uh, John may not have been the only one who had some doubts of when things weren't really panning out the way people had built up in their minds over the years, what they expected. 
Many people were probably asking if Jesus really was the one who was to come, according to the Old Testament prophecy, especially with John himself being in prison. And so Jesus asks the crowd some of these clarifying questions. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed swayed by the wind? A man in fine clothes? A prophet? And the implied answer is no, John was not weak or swayed by public opinion at all. He was, he was in prison specifically for speaking truth to power. He didn't care what other people thought of him or his message. And no, John wasn't wearing fine clothes like princes in, in, in uh, king's palaces. In other words, he wasn't out for the money. He wasn't, he, wasn't, he wasn't in it for the money. He wasn't out for material gain. And, and yes, you did go out to see a prophet. And, and Jesus says, verse 9, Yes, I tell you, more than a prophet, because a prophecy was said about John himself. Malachi 3.1 of the Old Testament says, A messenger will come and will be sent to prepare the way for the Lord. So a prophecy was made of John the Baptist himself. So John is great. He's a godly prophet. And even more than a prophet, Jesus says, but greater still. Greater still, verse 11, is whoever is least in the kingdom of heaven. Greater still is whoever is least in the kingdom of heaven. That is, those who are born in the kingdom of heaven era. A greater time has come. A powerful age is the age of the cross and the resurrection, the age, the age of Pentecost and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. It's a powerful age. And John the Baptist will not live to see that age. Greater are those, Jesus says, who are privileged to have been born in the year of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, in the age, this new age, under the new covenant in his blood, sealed in the cross and the resurrection. John's mission was great because of the greatness of the one he introduces. But greater still are those who are born in the age of the Messiah, you and me today, under the covenant of grace, empowered and gifted by the Holy Spirit of God to go into the world with the good news and to build up the church of Christ. So then Jesus goes on and he reminds the crowd of this steady buildup of opposition to the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven, he says, has been subjected to violence in verse 12 and violent people have been raiding it and they are seeing that kind of violence in what's happening to John the Baptist. And they will continue to see opposition to the gospel as religious leadership conspires with their Roman occupiers to crucify Jesus. And as you're reading through the Gospel of Matthew, this is really foreshadowing. It's building up to that kind of opposition. John the Baptist is the Elijah who was to come to prepare the way of the Lord, Jesus is explaining here, especially to his Jewish audience who would know their Old Testament prophecies. Verse 12, and if you are willing to accept it, he is the Elijah who was to come. Not that Elijah was going to be reincarnated in the day of Jesus, but one like Elijah would come, and that is John the Baptist. Once again, Jesus points to himself as he refers to these Old Testament prophecies from Malachi that speak of God coming to his people. These Old Testament prophecies, like this one from Malachi, speaks of God coming to his people. Jesus is pointing to himself. Jesus says, if you're willing to accept it, I am God coming to God's people. I am God coming to God's people. Another revelation of his divine identity. God in the flesh. God with us in Jesus Christ. And the hard-hearted generation will not accept it, Jesus says. They do not accept the message or the ministry of John or Jesus because John or Jesus, are, they're not playing the games that the people want to play or the religious leadership want to play. 
And that's what our passage is referring to when it's talking about children in the marketplace. I, we played the flute for you. We played the pipe. In other words, we played the game of wedding, and, and you didn't dance or sing. And then we played the game of funeral, and we played the dirge, but, but you didn't mourn, right? You're not playing our games. You see, they want God in their own terms. They have their own expectations of who God is and what God does or does not do. Uh, they're not willing to change their ideas, their images, the utopias they've built up in their own minds. Uh, even the strongest evidence that the blind receiving sight, the lame walking, the leprous being cleansed, the deaf hearing, the dead rising, and the good news being proclaimed to the poor, even after witnessing all of this, people still refused to believe. And instead, they would attack the character of John and Jesus by saying one is demonic, the other is a drunkard. Because John and Jesus were not willing to play their religious games. But Jesus says, in the end, wisdom and the evidence will be proved right. Wisdom and the evidence will be proved right. So in leading up to Christmas during this Advent season, it might be good for us to think about some reflective questions, some clarifying questions too. What is it I expect? What do I expect to see when I come to worship in church? What do I expect God to do to me, through me, for me, when I come to worship? Do I see and, ex and, and accept the gospel evidence around me of healing and freedom, the eternal joy that people say they have, uh, the, the professions of faith that people do, the, the new life where death once reigned or justice happening? Do, do I receive and accept these things, this evidence that I see and hear? Or am I just playing childish games in the marketplace, making up my own rules, making up my own God and my imaginations? Am I focusing on the God of the Bible, the God of scriptures, the scriptures? Well, it's a good time to wonder about our expectations, too, and our openness to our expectations being refined or changed based on the word of God or based on lived experience and a longer-term hope and perspective of trusting God through it all. See, God may not heal me in this lifetime, but one day I shall be healed. One day. God may not free me from this temptation in the here and now, but then and there I shall be free. I may not be free from death or grief now, but one day he will wipe away every tear from my eyes, and I will be with the Lord forever. Praise be to God. Praise be to God for his precious promises. Would you join me in prayer? God of all wonder and power, we praise your name today, and we thank you for the leadership of our children who have led us in worship and praise this morning. Thank you for the precious promises of Scripture that give us hope and meaning and purpose. Even in the darkest days, we hang on to your word of hope and our promised future with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Help us to be open today, Lord, to your Holy Spirit as we grow in our understanding and in our knowledge and in our service to one another. Lord, we lay down our will today and pray may your will be done. All praise and glory and honor be yours, Father, who with the Son and the Holy Spirit is one God forever and ever. Amen.